Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast for our first ever episode on YouTube. Larry and I have finally, finally made the decision. Um, the things locked down do, Larry. They finally kicked us in the gear. They have, um, and it is the first time we're live. And unfortunately for those who have decided to tune in, Tom, they will have to look at you, a sight for sore eyes indeed. But truthfully, it's nice to, I guess, allow us to be a bit more interactive, to bring the virtual pub, if you like, to our listeners. Yeah, definitely. Well, Antonio is joining us, who has been on the podcast before. Um, Antonio, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Um, thanks for having us on. Like Larry just said, it's probably good that we can have a few beers over this when we're on YouTube and it feels like we are at the pub while we are recording. Well, don't say that word pub because I know, look, it is a pubcast, but I've just been looking at the dates and Sydney is in lockdown, but it looks like we penciled in the match against Leeds for I think it's mid-August, the first game of the season and it's Saturday night kickoff. But Sydney, unfortunately, is in lockdown and that Leeds match does look a long way away for um, us to meet at the pub. So for the time being, it does look like we will be doing this, but it is good. And as Larry said, we'll be able to interact a little bit more sort of with the listeners instead of putting your comments in a day before. We can maybe have a discussion throughout. So we will be looking, I don't know, probably average 30, 40 minutes sort of podcast. But um, if any ideas or anything would be good, um, just throw your comments in and we'll get this discussing. Um Bear with us, this will go up. The audio podcast will remain the same, of course, but just bear with us if you are listening on the audio-only version, um, a few technical things when we're maybe I'm looking for the right button or someone or something. So please bear with us, but I'm sure you will. But um, first topic, Larry, we might as well go to and start with Jaden Sancho. By the time people are listening to this, it might be official. I'm refreshing Twitter. It's not official yet, but we know he's passed his medical. I'm sure he's had all the photos in the new kit, done all these interviews. Just your latest thoughts on the situation with Sancho. It's exciting. Um, nothing really to add other than what's already been said, but I'm really excited by the prospect of watching United's attack evolve. I think that's the thing that has the highest amount of appeal because if you think of the way United have been playing, I want to say over the last five years, really, very left-side dominant, aren't we? When you when you picture a United counter-attack or some of our best patterns of play over the last few seasons, particularly under Solskjaer, it's all come down the left, whether it be Martial, Rashford, and even before that, Memphis, Ashley Young, Di Maria. Most of our attack comes down that left channel. I think with the signing or the acquisition of Jaden Sancho, I'm really excited by what that means because it now, it now means like for the defence, they're going to have to stretch out further, which means it's going to give more space and time to the likes of Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, um, Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford. So I think what it does for the whole team is the most exciting thing. Well, Vin here, I think it's Vin has left a comment saying, where's the drink, guys? Vin, look, to be honest, that's essential shopping out there. I'm not going out and buying beer. That's not essential. I know you might think it is, but I am doing the right thing by um, the COVID restrictions. we just go to Antonio there in regards to positions and that with Jaden Sancho. There's Whenever we've thrown the name out there, we've said Marshall on the left and Rashford on the left, Cavani and Greenwood up front, Sancho will complete that on the right-hand side. But if you do look at Sancho's career, while he is very adept playing on the right-hand side and where that's where I think he will play for United, for England and especially for Dortmund, he does play a lot of his football on the left. So with Marcus Rashford likely being out for a while, um, so obviously with his shoulder operation, how do you see Solskjaer to deploying Jaden Sancho from, from the start? Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. Obviously, we've heard the news that Rashford probably will be out for a while. So obviously... We're looking at having either Cavani or Greenwood up front. But I think if you're going to play Sancho, he's going to start on the left-hand side to cover Rashford, like we said. 
and you're probably going to see a Marcia, Greenwood, Cavani split amongst the other three, uh, two positions up top. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Larry, number seven, I just saw a photo of Edison Cavani, um, and I told you we should build a statue. Did you see the photo of him? Unbelievable. Oh, a jaw made of marble. But on that, Cavani, we love him and sort of a, he's almost his fan favourite now. And a part of that is the number seven and that sort of story that comes with the number seven shirt. But I'm just saying in regards to Jaden Sancho, it does look like he is going to take the number seven. What are your thoughts on that? Because, okay, he is a marketable player. He's the next English sort of talent. But Edison Cavani is a fan favourite and Edison Cavani, when he's fit, will likely play. And he's only one more season. So is it right for Jaden Sancho to get the seven shirt or should maybe just hold off a little bit? You know what? Let me put forward something a little bit exciting here. Um, obviously, we're going for title 21. Don't worry about Dan James. Give that a Cavani. Let Sancho take the seven. When Robin Van Persie, the last time we had a striker in his twilight, he got the number that we were going to make for Manchester United. I say give it to Eddie Cavani, just like the chant goes. Give Sancho the number seven, and then we'll be cheering on 21. Well, you say the chant there. I remember one of my favourite chants over the last couple of years was the Ollies at the Wheel. We've got Sanchez, Paul Pogba and Fred. Surely that song just comes back now and you just replace Sanchez with Sancho, surely. That would require common sense. Have you seen our <laughs> fan base? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, obviously a discussion for another day. But Antonio, your thoughts on the seven shirt? Is it a, with Man United fans, it is something we sort of discuss and we, we get so invested in it. Does that actually mean anything? Because I'll get into Anthony Marshall in a bit. There's a question from George. But it obviously did mean something. Remember when Zlatan Ibrahimovic came in, he took the number off Anthony Marshall. And we think, oh, it shouldn't affect someone. But it kind of did affect Anthony Marshall. So are we reading too much into the number thing or or there is something in it? Oh, I think it's always players and clubs are going to have numbers that are important to that set of fan base. It's obviously a number seven's been so vital to us over the years, and that's why it's always who's going to get the number seven. Um, I kind of lean towards what Larry was saying. In Sancho is going to be here for years to come, where Cavani might only be here for now one more year. Give him that 21, like he said. Let him go for the 21st title and have a number seven for the future. Do you know how nice yeah. it is having someone with a bit of wisdom on this podcast? Here to agree <laughs> with all the wonderful things I say. Thank you, Antonio. Welcome back anytime. Well, we will get into Anthony Marshall now, Larry, which will maybe create a little bit of a discussion and um, and a, divi a division amongst the fan base. Um, George is throwing a comment in here. Does Rashford being out at the early part of the season open the door for Marshall to play on the left, assuming Sancho plays on the right? So I'll get your thoughts on that. But first of all, before you give your opinion, is Anthony Marshall fit? I haven't seen him in any of the training photos. He is fit. Well, he, he was pushing for the Europa League final. I, I imagine, he, and if you follow him on Instagram, he looks like he's kept his training up besides drinking with Ashley Young and Jesse Lingard in Mykonos. But other than that, it looks like he's been training the house down, looks like he's in good shape. I, I would assume he'd be playing. He hasn't played football in a long time. It, it's a really good opportunity for him to get some minutes under his belt. And what George says is spot on. What an opportunity it is for Anthony Martial. I think we've had this debate around, well, it's in the fan base, isn't it? Should Martial stay? Should he go? Or will he stay? Or will he go? Whether or if you think he should or not. With this opportunity with Marcus Rashford, I think it presents a chance for Martial now to actually stand up, be counted, put his point forward to the manager to say, remember what I did two seasons ago? It's my opportunity now to remind everyone what I'm capable of. Yeah, well, we'll move on. And look, Antonio is here as our guest. 
However, it's a it's a Euro free zone, Antonio. As our a very good Italian friend, no Euros talk, but we will go a little bit now on to Marcus Rashford because obviously he's not the scapegoat, but there's so much attention around what happened when he got in the Euros. He, he missed a crucial penalty. Um, and the outpour of sort of support has been sort of fascinating in terms of we'll get into his the mural, which was unfortunately defaced by a few, I don't know what to call them, uh, people who went out. And not only his name was on it and his mural, but they also mentioned Saka and obviously Jaden Sancho. But the support he's come, the support that has come his way and the Saka and Sancho's way has been quite surprising. Like, I'm, I'm very proud of it, but I didn't expect it. I thought, okay, maybe one or two people would come out and, sort of put a poster up saying, Rashford, we support you. But thousands of people are showing up at that mural and showing their support. Yeah, obviously it was quite interesting to see how quickly that happened. Obviously the final happened, he's missed his penalty, and a couple of hours later we heard that it was vandalised. Um, and to see all those people come forward, it kind of shows you the work that he's done in the community. Um and obviously with all his feeding the children and all that, it shows that he's got that support, he's got that fan base, and it's probably what he needs to get his head back in the game and away from all that vandalism and racism. Can, can I ask you, gents, have you ever felt such an emotional connection to a player the way it is with Marcus Rashford? It's it's truthfully something else. There's an emotion of getting behind a player, like a Roy Keane, for example, or Wayne Rooney, because they play with such aggression and passion, and they're the ones that are very easy to get behind and support. But Marcus Rashford, it's a whole different feeling for me. Like it's just, it's one of emotion. It's one that we all relate to because the message he is portraying in society, it's something that we can all see in our lives, no matter where you are in the world. You see hungry people, you see homeless people. What this guy has done at 23 years of age, it's truthfully overwhelming um, in the most positive way because it, it was just, it was so nice to see that. And we saw it in the game as well when there was the booing during the national anthem. It was overridden basically by applause when when there was graffiti on the mural there was more love to cover that I, I love seeing that positivity and I think it just it's a real testament to Rashford I, we've seen Liverpool fans speak positively about the Englishman so I think that tells you what the not just the player he is but what a man he is well, I think just your first point there in terms of is there a player that sort of builds that emotional sort of serves that emotion and I remember, look, we've been so critical of Rashford in terms of his on-field on performances over the past year. And, and every time I'm that critical of him, I'm listening to myself and I'm thinking, I shouldn't be this critical. It sounds stupid because I love the guy so much. But it's very, it's easy for me. But it's, I think it's, that's where it becomes difficult for some people to differentiate the footballer and the person. I think so, so many people you look at, some people support players over teams now. Ronaldo, if Ronaldo leaves clubs, They'll support Ronaldo. They'll leave the club, etc. And I think some people find it hard with Marcus Rashford. If they love him so much off the field, and rightly so, he can do no wrong on the field. But if you do, if you are honest with yourself on the field, while his numbers have been very good, he does leave a lot to be desired. He does need to improve. But then you see the abuse that he gets for his on-field performances, and you say, how on earth can you abuse someone who's absolutely he's doing more than the British government? And that's not like that's not hyperbole. That's fact. If you look at what he's doing, and the the UK government sort of failed to provide for young children in England, Marcus Rashford is doing more for those people, and that's where I think, well, if I'm criticised, how on earth can I criticise this guy as a footballer if he's potentially the best human on earth? On the British government, um, something's come out today. Boris Johnson's made some sort of statement that says these social platforms, mentioning it will start finding them if they don't actually remove 
hatred, abusive, racist comments. So I'm very interested to see how that plays out, if at all. Well, I just got to Antonio on there. What do you think? There's a, I don't know, one of our listeners and members of the supporters club here, Josh, shared a petition in regards to making it um, compulsory to when you sign up to a social media platform, whether it be Twitter or Instagram, being able to, you must provide ID. Because now so many sort of troll accounts are just, they get banned or they just make a new account. Do you think that there's an ever situation, whether it be Australia or UK or a universal thing, where it will become mandatory to, if you want a social media um, page, you're going to have to provide ID? Um, I think it might in some countries get to that area where you will need to show an ID to sign up to things. Obviously, these days you have to verify your account, but all you need is an email address and you can write whatever you want in that email address. Um, I think the problem serves where if you look overseas in, say, America, for example, their freedom of speech and their right to speech is where they kind of, it may lack and you may never get to that point. Um, whereas someone like Australia, it will probably get there a lot quicker because we don't have all those like pushbacks with our amendments and stuff like that. Yeah, no, definitely. And I'll just go to Larry now. Just before we move on, I want to stay on Marcus Rashford for a little bit. Just for the, I always bring up football narratives and stories where you can just see something written in the stars and it eventuates. Now, there has been so much support in the fallout of the penalty shootout, and he's not the scapegoat now. He's almost the most loved person in England, same with Saka and same with Sancho. However, from a footballing point of view, the people definitely want to pin it on him. Well, he missed the penalty. That's why England lost. So let's put him in that category of being the scapegoat. Can you see now David Beckham in 98 was scapegoat? He went on into that treble winning season to be arguably the best player in world football. Okay, Rivaldo won the Ballon d'Or, but David Beckham won the treble and was a Man United's player of the season. Wayne Rooney was a scapegoat when they got knocked out to Portugal in the 06 World Cup, went on to absolutely have an unbelievable season. Now, obviously, had Cristiano Ronaldo to help, but Wayne Rooney was a scapegoat and answered all the critics. Marcus Rashford, I'm putting in that scapegoat category, not that he deserves to be, but he will be when he goes to an away away ground, he will be treated as the player who sort of knocked England out of the World Cup, out of the Euros. Can you see a situation where it's almost poised when Rashford does get fit? that we could be seeing someone who could maybe potentially drive us to having a very special season. Well, undoubtedly. I think the fact he's having this operation is the most pleasing thing. I don't know about you guys. It was almost a sense of relief, to be honest, because we've been seeing it. I think he's been playing injured for two years. Ever since that Liverpool match, I want to say when, when Solskjaer initially came in on a caretaker basis, I feel like he's been playing injured ever since that game where he went off, his ankle got nicked, and he's just been carrying niggles ever since. So... Yeah, I think Beckham, Tom, is a really good example to use here. Um, and like you said in the last podcast, it's always been love United, hate England. Now, obviously, we're not English supporters. But if you're thinking of what the feeling might be over there, the catalyst is definitely there for him to do something special. And if you actually look at his trajectory, forget his performances. Let's look at the numbers. His goals, his goal contributions are going up year on year on year. I'm, I'm scared to think what a fully fit Marcus Rashford could do. Well, Antonio, do you see someone there in regards to Rashford's ability? Okay, he's a good player. Um, he's maybe not on that bracket of sort of world class, but can you see a player who, while he is improving, can you see someone who can take that next step and be Man United's main man? Because at the moment, Paul Pulp is our main. Bruno Fernandes is the main man. Harry Maguire, if he... Um, he might potentially sort of take that role. I know he's our captain, but he's finally getting the respect. Luke Shaw is finally getting the respect. No one really has Marcus Rashford as our main man. 
you've even now got an 80 million player in Jaden Sancho. You've got a generational talent in Mason Greenwood. Does Rashford have it to be our main man? Um, like you said, there's a, we have a few big players and the way we're making our signings is we're bringing in more big players each year. Obviously, with Sancho going in, there's going to be attention that goes there. The attention already goes to Bruno, like you said. I think Rashford can get to that level, but it's going to take him potentially having an outbreak season where he might go for Golden Boot. He might take that out and then people start to put him in that tier of, okay, he's one of our leaders. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, he's definitely got the personality because you read all reports, whether it be inside the Man United camp or the England camp, he's very well respected and he's a big personality. Now, obviously, he has that influence from outside the game, which has helped that. But as Larry has said, and which I always say whenever I'm critical, I always go back and say, well, look at the numbers. He backs it up. Um, so he's definitely, definitely, in my opinion, got the platform to go on and um, have a really good season. Fingers crossed when he does get fit. Um, looks like he might be up for a little bit, unfortunately. But as the banner just down there goes, we'll move on. Um, again, I'm scrolling through Twitter at the moment. Nothing official. I'm still hesitant, but Larry, it does sound like Rafael Varane might be getting a little bit closer. I'm still, I don't want to jump the gun, maybe because I'm too nervous. I want this signing almost more than anyone. But um, it does seem maybe getting a little bit closer, which I, I didn't, I didn't see coming. Well, the stars are aligning, and if it does happen, the, the prospect of a Harry Maguire, Rafael Varane. You know what? Let me ask you guys. Surely that that's the best defensive partnership in the Premier League. Like I'd struggle to name a stronger partnership if you're talking about what both of those players have. And let's just talk about Varane for a little bit because the, the fact that he just brings electrifying pace is obviously such a bonus. But Eric Bailly has electric pace. What Varane's really bringing is leadership, a winning mentality. He's won everything. He's been playing top-level elite football for one of the biggest clubs in the world since he was 18 years of age. That is what Manchester United need. It's not just what he brings physically. I think what he brings in terms of a mentality to this squad. And we should also highlight he's also a really good ball player. If we're talking about that ability, what do United really struggle with? We, we have nightmares thinking of Fred back to goal, playing it out or giving it to the opposition. Rafael Varane will allow that ability for United to just relax on the ball a little bit more, progress it back to forward quickly. And it'll, most crucially, which probably hasn't been highlighted, Harry Maguire likes to come in in midfield. I think with Varane there, it allows Maguire to perhaps play a little bit further up and Varane can just tuck in as that insurance policy. He's got the pace and he reads the game well enough that he can cover should anything get a bit hairy. Well, it definitely has that there's sort of stereotypes of different partnerships cross field. Up front, you've almost always got that big man, little man sort of combination. And at the back, the old stereotypical is if you're defending a goal kick, one centre-back goes to attack the goal kick and the other centre-back drops off in almost that sweeper position. And it does look like that's almost, as you say, almost a match made in heaven where Harry Maguire can go and attack that ball and almost play as an old-fashioned stopper. And Rafael Varane can almost do that cleanup work because while Varane, people don't say he's, he's too quick, he's quick. He can get moving. He's got very long legs. Not many people are going to run past him. So just your thoughts on the combination, Antonio. Varane's obviously everyone's number one target. Can you see it being almost a little bit of a bridge too far for United and we do need to keep our options open because there was always talk of Kunde. He's apparently sort of Tottenham are looking at him now. Pal Torres is still there. Um, there's a guy from the Serie A, I forget his name, Milinkovic, I think. Just your thoughts on yeah, United sort of current chase for a centre-back? Um, no, I think Ver Varane will be the one that we do go for, and I see us eventually landing him. And I think that's going to help with having Paul Pogba in the side with the reports of him coming out wanting to stay. I think that's a massive boost in signing him and bringing Varane in. 
Um, and I think we've seen throughout the World Cup, like you said, other teams are starting to show Maguire some respect. So adding another world-class centre-back that can lead with him is only going to benefit. We'll just see if Vin's put the comment up. If it's really true, I hope another club doesn't end up hijacking our bid. To just come to Larry, which you mentioned in the last podcast, no one's in for Verona except United. No one was in for Bruno Fernandes except United. No one was in for Jadon Sancho except United. I'm just thinking, okay, that's good. That gives us a free run at these players. But why aren't these big clubs in for these world-class players? Like, it just doesn't – I'm not complaining. It just doesn't quite add up for me. Well, you know what? We were so critical of the Glazers last summer. The money was clearly there to sign Jadon Sancho. Obviously, they felt it was a stretch too far. Is it possible that we will look back on this transfer window, depending on how it goes, as it currently stands, it's one player? But it's very possible we could look at the end of this transfer window and it's almost a stroke of genius because we've ke we've kept this cash in reserve while other clubs perhaps have spent in other areas of the pitch last season, but now we're seeing Barcelona in all sorts of financial straight, Real Madrid not being able to attract or pay for the calibre of players that they want. PSG, every signing that they've made has been on a free transfer. It could be a true stroke of genius from United to say, we're going to hold on to this cash in reserve because we know in 12 months' time we're going to be in a better financial position than every other club. Now, we can talk about the debt and so forth, and that's a topic for another day, and I'm sure it will be. But perhaps we're the only ones in because we're the only ones with the cash to do it. Yeah, no, it's a good opinion because there was so much fr frustration this time last year, Antonio, with the lack of signings and not so much lack of signings, that sort of marquee, which a lot of fans do want. Just your thoughts on what Larry said there in regards to, okay, take away the frustration from last year, but can you almost, while we don't want to back the Glazers and support what they're doing, can you almost see it from their point of view? Yeah, obviously last year was a tough time um, going through all the pandemic and how big it was over there. So it was probably, like we said, it was a smart move. Let the other clubs like Chelsea spend all that big money and now we swoop in. We got Sancho for cheaper than what we are going to get him last year. And maybe that's what we're doing with Varane too. We're swooping in when no one else has the cash. Yeah, no, fingers crossed. As I said, I'm so hesitant on this, and maybe that's just more me being pessimistic than anything um, because I really do think he's a – we never really sign a player, that world-class player, in their prime. Remember, who was the last one? Okay, you got Van Persie, but there's sort of injury concerns a little bit. Um, Di Maria, but Di Maria didn't want to really be here, so it didn't really count. It doesn't really happen. Um, you always get someone on the end of their career or at the start of their career. But going and getting someone at the top of their game who Real Madrid want, okay, Real Madrid just in the unfortunate position for themselves of maybe not being able to afford him, but they definitely do want him, um, which is my biggest stumbling block. I think, well, if they want him and Varane knows that they want him, maybe he does see a brighter future career-wise at Real Madrid than he does at United. Now, United will very likely by all reports, go close to doubling his wages, which is a big uh, tick in United's box. But it will be will be fascinating. Fingers crossed uh, we hear news soon because it does look like it is getting closer. But what is getting closer, which we haven't really had the time to discuss um, over, over the Euros, is United. Um, it feels like it's two years since United last played a football match. Um, can we please forget that match in the Europa League final? But, Larry, we're back this Sunday against Derby County, Wayne Rooney's Derby County. I don't think Wayne Rooney will be putting on the boots. It would be good to see him have a little cameo. But um, pre-season's back. Just your thoughts on how we're shaping up for pre-season and what you're looking to see. Well, I mean, how we're shaping up is really hard to say, but I'm, I'm really excited to see some young players get an opportunity. I don't know if you guys have seen the photos, but Hugo looks like he's had a massive growth spurt. And not just his height. He's always been a tall player, but his physique, he looks like he's... He, 
come back a man over a four-week window. I'm saying with Alanga, but he looks physical. Tom, you touched on that in the last podcast. I think it's a real good opportunity to see, just see the kids a little bit more. I, I don't think we really got a good opportunity for that last season for a, a variety of reasons. Um, I think Ollie's already said a number of them will go out on loan, but I think that's the most exciting thing, just to start that chatter amongst, oh, could this player potentially be part of the squad or they probably won't be, but it's always good to see that like James Garner obviously had a positive end to last season, um, Watford and then Nottingham Forest. So to see how he goes, I think that's the most exciting thing really. Well, Antonio, look, you're a football coach. What do you see from pre-season in regards to, I, I can very much see it happening on Sunday, Man United play Derby. I can see a situation where United aren't fit. Derby may, maybe a week ahead or something. Derby win the football match. Look, we saw the other day, Arsenal lost to Hibernian. It happens this time. You can imagine the reaction if we lose to Derby. Sack, sack the manager, sell this player, sell this player. Just your thoughts on what you see from pre-season, what you want to see from United. Obviously, um, you want to see a few different combinations. You want to see, obviously, the first grade players, the first team go out there and play a little bit of game time. But it's all about seeing where our squad depth is. Obviously, the last couple of years towards the back end of the season and when we've had injuries, we've struggled with bringing that depth off the bench, the young kids. So I think by giving them their chances in these games coming up, it's going to benefit us in the season. Well, just on that point, I'll go to you, Larry, in regards to, yes, we do want to see all these young players come. And it's probably the best chance we get to see them in these preseason games. But then you think, well, should we really be playing them? And I'm definitely saying um, keep them involved. And I'm definitely not saying keep them on the bench. But we're saying, well, we're going to play this player when, I know, Donny van der Baker and Anthony Martial instead of getting 45 minutes, they could be getting 75 minutes. Just how do you weigh up that of using the young player just for the sake of giving them experience where should we be really ruthless and really playing our first team, getting them ready for Leeds? Because Leeds is only a couple of weeks away. I think there's a case of a little bit of both. And there's someone like Anthony Martial, it's a case-by-case, right? He needs football. He hasn't kicked the ball since February. So I think that's a player you do want to get legs into. The likes of your your youth of full players, it's just an opportunity for them just to get fit before they get their eventual loan or under-18s, under-23s, etc. Um, let me ask you guys, do you think in, in Ollie's mind, does he start thinking about combinations this early on? Obviously, we've got a heap of players, first-team players who won't participate in this football match. But does he look for anything or does he start thinking about maybe a certain shape or a way of football that he wants to start playing? Does he use the trials here? while it might not necessarily be the squad he's going to end up with, does he start experimenting from now? Well, i tell you what I think he does. And again, this will cause absolute outrage because it was reported maybe about a month or two ago and um, a lot of United fans didn't like it. But I think it will happen in this first game, mainly just maybe down due to bodies. And I don't think this is something he will pursue with, but I have a very strong feeling Aaron Wan-Bissak will play at centre-back. Um, just a lot of our centre-backs aren't there. Eric Bay is going to the Olympics. Lindelof won't be there. Maguire won't be there. Who knows what Tuan Zabi's future is. So I have a feeling one Bissak will play there. And that allows maybe one of the younger players to play it right back and get their minutes in pre-season. But just your thoughts, Antonio, on that. And is there a surprise? Because there, there always is that one in pre-season where someone maybe has a, gut, a good couple of games in that position. Then it sort of throws up another selection headache. So is there anyone that you can see almost not nailing down a spot, but um, sort of putting their hand up? Uh, well, I was going on another aspect when you were saying about the centre-back. It'd almost be interesting to see if you could see a McTominay drop back into that centre-back like he's done for Scotland before. 
opening up that position for Van Der Beek and that in the midfield rather than having him in that defensive position, could we see him drop back if we're low on troops? Uh, look, I think in a disaster, which he has done for United, he obviously did under Jose Mourinho, but I think that's where we'll come back. Darren Fletcher's at the club now, and we spoke about this before where, yes, he can play in at centre-back, and both Larry and I said, well, he's probably not the worst centre-back. We quite quite like him there, but his game is getting forward, and even Darren Fletcher has come out and in the media and said he absolutely hates it when Solskjaer plays him as a defensive midfielder. He wants him in that, not number 10, but that old-fashioned box-to-box. So, look, there is obviously a situation where Scott McTominay could be lining up at centre-back this season, and I won't lose any sleep over that. But, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping it's um, not in sort of Solskjaer's immediate plans. Yeah. I'll go to you, Larry, just on the question at the bottom of the screen. A player to watch in this pre-season, whether it be someone with sort of first-team ambitions or a young player, just who has almost just got that almost keen eye on like, their development throughout the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think Ethan Led's the one I'm looking out for. Um, I think well, you've touched on it there. I think Wambasaka, that there is an opportunity to utilize him as a center back or maybe as part of a back three. Um, I think when we're talking about using him as a center back, I think that's the more likelihood. Um, I think if he's if he's a wide of a three man defense, I think you could see Wambasaka thriving in that sort of position. It plays to his strengths. And I think Ethan Ladd's the one I really want to keep an eye on. He has the opportunity to get forward. Um, Delo's obviously going to be back. Um, so to see what happens with him will be interesting. But Guys, I'm telling you, I don't know if you have seen much of him, but Ethan Led's a talent, man. He can score goals. He can he can put in a cross, but he's also a good defender. He's rapid. He's got everything to be an elite fullback. I truthfully believe that. And he's the one I really want to see get some minutes because I think there's an opportunity there, particularly you're seeing these Tellez links come out. If Tellez left and Ethan Led got an opportunity as a backup fullback, I'd be all right with it. Well, just there, the, the comment on screen there, I'll go to Antonio George, who said, I'd like to see Delo play some minutes. Obviously, he got called up to the Euro squad for Portugal and, and played a little bit of the Euros. So your thoughts on Delo's future? Is this a pre-season? Is this something where he can nail down a spot and a future at United? Or is this he's just come back to his club and United will look to sort of offload him when they can? I mean, obviously, we saw him when he went out on loan last year. Um, he had a few good games when he was over in Italy. Um and I think this is his chance now. This is his do-or-die preseason. He's going to come in. He's going to have to try and prove his point and try and fight for that spot, whether it's a bench spot, and then continually work, or he goes back out on loan. But I think this is the preseason. It's going to decide that. Is there a player for you, Antonio, that you have a keen eye on? Sort of who you're most excited to watch throughout preseason? Um, obviously, Ahmad. I'm happy for him to come in. I want to see him get a bit more game time. And obviously, this preseason is going to show us if he's going to stay or if he's going to go on loan. Um, obviously, I want him to stay and get that experience at the club. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, his situation will be interesting because both he and Eric Bay off to the Olympics. So that that's an issue on multiple reasons. One, a fitness issue. They're obviously going to go be playing football for another team, but also I assume there's huge sort of quarantine issues when they're going over to Tokyo, then back to England. Um, so it might be a while before we see Eric Bay and Amad Diallo, regardless of what their future is, whether it is at United or away. Um, the one for me, um, if I'm watching out for a player this season, it's probably out of the box Phil a little Jones. bit, Larry. You know, well, Phil Jones, yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if he captained against Derby County. <laughs> I, I haven't seen him in any of the photos either. But a name you just mentioned, Larry, um, Alex Tellez. Now, the reason I'm most keen to watch him is because I have a very strong feeling, and not a criticism, but I have a very strong feeling Luke Shaw won't be fit for the start of the season. And not not fit, he just won't be ready for the start of the season. 
So I think Alex Tellers has a chance because when he plays well, okay, Luke Shaw, yes, is the best left back in Europe. Now he walks back into this team. But when Alex Tellers plays well, I lose no sleep. I think he's maybe even potentially offers more than Luke Shaw. So I can see Tellers really sort of nailing down a spot there. But the reason I also look at it, because Antonio mentioned it as well, is potentially linked elsewhere. Uh, Roma, Jose Mourinho is potentially interested in him. So we'll be sort of fascinated to see how that story unfolds, where he can nail this spot down in preseason, get five or six games where he's the main left back, leading up to that game against Leeds. There's also that transfer cloud hanging over him. So just your thoughts on, I'll give either of you answer it, but um, on Tellez, does he have a future at United this year or is this Roma interest quite sort of serious? I'll let you take that one first, Larry. Oh, I don't I don't really buy into it, to be honest. I think it's just lazy. I think obviously Luke Shaw's having a, a built-in uh, how to built in Euros. By the way, Mourinho has admitted defeat. Mm. Can we just say? Um, in conceding, oh, he, he, he admits, was incredible. I know, he admits defeat for like one paragraph, then the next paragraph he tries to throw him under the bus again. Yeah, he can't stop anyway. it, Mourinho. Yeah, well, he, Rob's, just left a comment. Rob's just left a comment here saying Williams could be going on loan to Southampton and Brighton. Now, Brandon Williams is someone I, I do really like. However, I do look at a, a future of what I want from Man United, a, a team winning a Champions League and a team winning a Premier League. And if you're being honest, you don't really see Brandon Williams in that type of team. So, Antonio, your thoughts on Williams in terms of, is this almost the most nailed on loan you'll see? Like, it's best for all parties? Yeah, I think this one's all but done. I don't see him getting much game time if he stays at United this year. Obviously, if Teller stays, if Luke Shaw's fit, if the lock comes back, there's a lot of players in front of him. Um, so, I think him going on loan is the best move for him and the club, especially for this year. No, definitely. Now, before we wrap up, we'll just obviously not do it to start an 11 prediction, but for that Leeds game um, in probably about a month's time, maybe even less than a month, not quite sure. But um, I'll go to you, Larry, first. Is there a surprise inclusion against Leeds? Phil like Jones. Like it's got to be Phil Jones. I don't think that well, – what's a surprise, though? You're probably no, a goalkeeper. That's probably the most – No, no but you, you have to look at it from – I'm saying Harry Maguire potentially won't be ready. Luke Shaw won't be ready. Um, Edison Gavani, Fred, these are players that might not be ready sort of thing. So is anyone in pre-season in those positions potentially going to get enough sort of football in and sort of nail that spot down if someone's not fit from their return you know from their – James Gunn is one who I think could really get an opportunity because Fred's at Copa America. He played all the way to the finals. McTominay obviously participated, didn't go deep, but he was still there. I think Pogba obviously will be on holidays. I think there's a real opportunity, and um, I don't know what Van der Beek's fitness is like. Obviously, withdrew from the Euros with injury. But I think that that deep midfield role is still up for grabs, and obviously we've seen links with Kamavinga. It's starting to look like it actually won't happen now. So I think there is an opportunity there for a player if they want to put their hand up to do something. Garner could yeah. be the one. How about you, Antonio? Um, I think Daniel James. I think Leeds are obviously – they like to come forward and they like to attack, and I think his pace will be quite useful and could be a shock starter when it comes to those lineups coming out with the players that we're going to be missing due to the Copper America and Euros. Well, you say a shock starter. He was a shock starter when we played Leeds at Old Trafford last season, but it was – Correct decision by Solskjaer, and he almost had his best game in the United show. We absolutely thumped them, and he was, as I say, the perfect man for that occasion. Um, yeah, Dan James is a shout, which Vin's put there, but I'll just throw Josh's comment back up, which probably the comment of the day, comment of the night. Phil Jones is more likely to start than us, like Sydney making it to the pub. Yes, unfortunately, I think we will be watching um, the Leeds match from our couch. 
Um, the restrictions do not look like they're easing. But any other thing else to add, lads? I'm just trying to think um, for our first episode on YouTube. But first of all, thank you to everyone tuned in. We didn't know when we were setting this up with whether one person was going to tune in or whether 100 people, but people are flying their comments in, which is, which is good because it's just a way of getting another opinion out there because so often it's me and Larry and we agree on so many things. It's really good to get a difference of opinion in there. So that's why I've also got Antonio there. But it is good to interact with the listeners. We truly appreciate it. Bear with us while we work out how to work out all these graphics and clicking on this button, clicking on that button. So please do bear with us over the next week or two, but I'm sure we'll get the hang of it. And like you'll see on most, all these YouTubers will say the same thing and we will say the same thing. You're holding your phone now. If you just like the video and make sure you subscribe, it will make both of us, all three of us today, um, very, very um, happy and appreciative. So please do that. Please like the video and share it on your Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. That would be very much appreciated anything else to add united related Varan hasn't signed yet i'll just check my um, phone i don't have anything united related but i do have something pub related and this is a podcast after all we do have an italian on the podcast tom so i do need to ask the question antonio tom loves a meat lovers pizza do you consider a meat lovers pizza italian cuisine or do you think it's more of an american thing listen as long as you keep pineapple off the pizza i support tom and whatever else he wants to eat <laughs> Fair answer. All right. Pineapple on a pizza, Larry? <laughs> no. Thorns yeah. in your eyes, Tom? Look, I don't go and order a pineapple. I don't go order Hawaiian pizza. But if it's there, you know, when you get, you're at a party or something, they have like each slice sort of thing. I will grab one. I don't go out and buy it. But if it's there and I see a slice, I will take it 100%. Definitely not. Yeah, I'm with you, Antonio. And can I say, shout out to Ryan Butler. I, I've never seen his comments on Facebook or Twitter, but it just shows by going on YouTube, it does open us up a little bit more to those who do participate or might be new or have listened to us in the past. So, Ryan, cheers for getting involved. Well, Larry, you need to come to more Supporters Club events because Ryan is a member of the Man United Supporters Club, who I know we do have a lot of listeners in here. He's a new member, but he's a good man, Ryan. Um, but again, thank you to all the listeners and obviously Larry and Antonio. This um, episode will definitely be uh, available on your podcast app, so you can listen to it on audio-only version. We'll get that sorted for you. And we will be mainly looking to do this. We'll try and keep it consistent in regards to Mondays and Thursday nights, with United being back in the Champions League. Hopefully our fixtures are quite set in stone in regards to Saturdays and Tuesday, Wednesdays in the Champions League. No more of those 3 a.m. Monday morning games um, due to the Europa League kickoffs. But as I said, thank you, everyone, in the comments um, for getting involved. Thank you to my co-hosts, and we will chat to you on th when? On Monday after Monday. the Derby County match. All right? Have a good one, guys. Cheers. Cheers, guys. See you later.